0: Hello welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bona Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson,
1: the new Tour Manager for ACDC. Somebody had to do it. Big, big news, Wayne. Huh? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Huge news, baby. Absolutely. One week from Saturday, ACDC drops a new album. Have you heard any
0: of the songs yet? No, I've heard none of them. You? Yeah,
1: yeah. A couple of them are really, really good. And nice. uh, it hit me too. When's the last time you heard really good rock and roll from a, a new rock and roll? Oh, it's man. like it's not even out there anymore. Or am oh, I just too really... old
0: to know that? Or I, I wonder sometimes, you know, because you hear people say, oh, music isn't well, you know, like the old days. I, You know, you don't want to be that guy. But, man. I will continue to say the best decade of music for rock music, anyhow, in our lifetime is the sixties. You can't argue that. Uh, You just can't.
2: uh, Don't tell me the
0: seventies. Don't tell uh, me the eighties, especially the eighties. It's the sixties, man. The Beatles, the stones, the doors, the the beach boys, uh, all these different sounds. You've had, um, Jimi Hendrix, the, the, the who? Come on. Come
1: on, man. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, we're not supposed to be political now. No, that's as Come far Come on, man. Go. Come on, man.
0: All right. Rob, today we're going to talk, this is going to be, and we got a guy that's going to have a lot of insight on this topic, and I'm really pleased to have him on the show. We're going to be talking about working with architects we talked a little bit about it before, but we're talking with a guy today who has a tremendous amount of insight into this world, and uh, we have with us today Frank Coppolino. Uh, Frank, uh, Frank, why don't you give us a little background about
2: yourself? Sure. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I mean, for me, this is a career-defining moment to be with the charismatic Wayne Highlander and and Rob. There's just, there are no words to express how I feel about the wealth of knowledge that that we get from you in these training classes. So thank you for having me. Of course. Uh,
1: this, is, so, this is probably one of the biggest days of your life, isn't it, Frank?
2: This is the, next to the, the birth of my son, this is probably the highlight of, of my existence.
1: That is, uh, that is so,
2: true. That is so true. Make the best of it because you got 12 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> so I started my career in the, in the commercial flooring industry almost 30 years ago working for DuPont Flooring Systems in New York City. Uh, from there, five years later, I went on to work for a company called Pyramid Floor Covering, who is still operating today. They are the largest applicator of self-leveling cements in the city. Um, and I, in my opinion, one of the best shops out there in New York City when it comes to commercial work. Uh, after a decade with them, I spent another decade with Architectural Flooring Resource who focused, and it's in the title, on working with architects, designers, specifying and staying ahead of the spec rather than chasing specs uh, later yeah. on, which is more difficult. Big distinction, yep. Yep.
1: Uh, we're, what are you doing now, Frank? You, you, you uh, working I,
0: at all now or? Yeah. You, got a, you got a job I, now, Frank? I have you got a job anything now. going
2: on, Frank? Or? I have a job now. I've spent the last <laughs> two and a half years uh, working at Bona. Started off as an adhesive specialist um, and, right before COVID was, uh, my title changed over. I'm the Commercial Specifications Manager for the US and Canada. Manager. So now I get to do what I love, which is work with
1: people. So you're a corporate stooge now yourself? Correct. Okay, great. That's what we need, more you, you, corporate
0: stooges. You can hear it in, in Frank's voice. Frank oozes New York City. He's a New York Ooh. guy, He's he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's Italian. And I have to tell you that I absolutely love New York. I'm fascinated by it. And in this episode, I'm going to give you some fun New York facts. I'll sprinkle in there. Uh, The first one, I'll give it to you now.
1: Don't let Frank do it. Let's let a guy who lived in California moved to Tennessee. Tell us about New York. So please.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's hear what okay. you got.
2: What, what, what do you want? A, a little history
1: on it, or you want? Uh, oh no! Oh, he's no, going to give you the Wayne Islander. I know you lived there all
0: your life. All right. All right. But well, Wayne's going right. to. Wayne's yeah, going to.
2: Oh, Wayne's going to do it. Okay. Wayne's going to do it.
0: Maybe you're right, Rob. Let me throw the question out to Frank then, Frank. No, 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 no way! No, the people no. are
1: waiting for you. No, you went there. You, so you already dropped the ball, man. Wayne fun facts in New
0: York. Frank, <laughs> how many dialects of, of languages do you think are spoken in New York? Dialects? Yes. How many languages take that how many languages are spoken in New York City? Take a guess.
2: Gee, a lot. A lot. I mean, I couldn't right. even give you a number.
0: Okay, because it would be wrong anyhow. hmm Okay. <laughs> More than 800 800 languages are spoken in New York. It is the most linguistically diverse city in the world. Four out of 10 households speak another language other than English. That's fascinating to me. And I'll tell you why I like New York, and and I'll make this quick. Um, You know, I'm a tourist every time I go there. And we have a territory manager there, uh, um, Jeff Alfredo. And I, I went and I worked with him for the day and I was in New York and I get caught up in it. I'm a tourist when I'm there. It's the end of the day and I told him, I said, I said, you know what? I'd love to go to a New York play, right? So just some kind of Broadway play. You know, if we have time, it's the end of the day, uh, the traffic's gonna be terrible anyhow. He goes, yeah, I'm in, it's been, you know, you know what, this would be nice stress relief, right? It's been a long time hustling, whatever. To, to, we'll go to play tonight. If that's what you wanna do, that's what we'll do. I said, fine. So there's people there on Times Square that will, you know, you can go in there and say, "I want to see a play," and that's what they do, right? Uh, but this is, you know, no notice. We're on the spot; it's getting close to the time to start. So I had two choices. One we're crazy expensive. Like I'm not going to spend $200 for a play. It just, you know, as much as I and I love Broadway plays or live live musicals or whatever,
2: you can get a great deal right now.
0: Yes, <laughs> so you could. Well, the only play. Really available to us was a play called Kinky Boots. Okay, so let's just say there's a lot of cross dressing and you know, uh, but the ladies sold it really good. Ah, oh, it's a musical. It's fun. You'll love it. You're not you 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 know it's not what you think it is. Uh, it actually, was what I thought it was. Um, and if you've never been to a New York play, the seats are so small, and you know we you had you know it's a last minute thing, so we're you were sitting on damn near sitting on top of each other. We watch this movie King Boots with all the cross-dressing and all the stuff goes out. So the, the the musical is over. I walk outside with Jeff. And if you don't know Jeff, was he an ex-Marine? I know he was a military guy. I
2: believe Army.
0: Army. Okay. So he's an he's an ex-Army guy. He's a construction worker, you know. He's a New York guy or Jersey guy. And we walk outside and he goes, Bro, this never happened. <laughs> So, if you guys out there happen to see Jeff Alfredo, the Bona Territory Manager for New York City, ask him how he likes kinky boots. Kinky boots.
2: You know, the first thing I'm going to do is call Jeff.
0: Yeah, there you go. I can't wait.
1: I wrote that down. Yes. You know, you mentioned all the dialects in New York City. Well, when I was making sales calls, I used to do. A lot of my sales calls in New York City on Saturday because everybody was open on Saturday. And it was easy to drive around the city and park wherever you want. So Saturdays are great. So one day I brought Bum with me. I go, hey, I'm going to the city for the day. You wanna come? So he goes, yeah, that'd be great. So we start off today with uh, some of my Irish distributors. And I'm telling you, I could just listen to Irish guys talk all day long Mm-hmm. Nobody can drop an F-bomb like an Irishman. okay? Or a C-bomb. Oh, <laughs> they're the best, man. You, do you know those guys? Uh, the uh, Oh, man, they're over in the, the Bronx. Oh, Are you talking about Woodlawn? In- yes, yes, Woodlawn. Yeah. Oliver. Oliver. My buddy Oliver my, from Woodlawn. My wife fell in love with him. She's got a thing for Irish guys. Well,
2: hold on a second. I thought she fell in love with Wayne. Well
1: that's, a problem. that's wow. if you look at Wayne, you look at Oliver, now you see what I'm up against. There's no contest. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So from there, we went to another distributor that was owned by a China by a Jewish woman, but it was run by a Chinese guy. Do you know the guys I'm talking about over on um there on the East Side?
2: Oh, well, would be East Side floors.
1: No, it wouldn't be East Side. It was another one. And we ended up at a Russian distributor just around the corner. Okay. West End. So we had hit, I don't know, three or four dis- distributions and everything. Uh, we ended up at uh, Gold Coast, the Italian brothers. God bless you. Right. I love that. I they
2: love Mark and Mario.
1: They, they are my absolute favorite sales call in the whole world. I love those guys. So anyways, we're driving home and I can tell the kid's head is spinning. He's maybe like 12 years old. We come to a light in Brooklyn and, you know, it's Saturday. So, you know, the Hasidic Jews can't can't drive cars, right? So they're all walking around and they have the, the hats and, the, you know, they're all dressed up. They look great. My son looks at me and he goes, I didn't know there was Amish guys around here. (laughs) I go, no. I said, no, they're not Amish. I said, you know, they're a different Jewish religion, great people. So we're driving home and I said, so what do you think? He goes, I didn't understand a word anybody said today. (coughs) I said, oh, it's funny because I speak five different dialects. I said, you get used to it. He said, I don't know how you do it. He goes, but the Irish guys, they were the toughest ones to, (laughs) they were the toughest ones to... uh, to understand. So when Wayne talks about dialects, it is that's the great part of that city.
0: That story doesn't surprise me because, you know, there's 800 dialects or different languages spoken in New York.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that all? I don't know. They all sound the same to me.
0: So Frank's got a lot of insight and uh, let's, let's uh, tap into that a little bit. Rob? Frank...
1: What's really the, if a guy, I hear this a lot at schools from residential guys. How do I get into the sport business? How do I get into the commercial business? What do you think? What's really the big difference between, I mean, with sport, we all know, you know, it's a different set of equipment and there's just a lot of different things. But for guys who are in the residential business, who are maybe thinking about, Dipping their toe in the commercial pond. What's some of the big differences? What are they going to be looking at?
2: Well, for starters, there's the union aspect of it. So they're going to have to get signatory with the local, put up a a retainer and follow the rules. So their men will suddenly go from being, uh, you know, paid by the square foot or by the day To hourly at a union rate, which is much greater than what they probably are paying now. So that's a big hurdle to get through. Um, Let's say they get through all that, they're funded well and have the equipment, then there's the logistics of it all. Uh, New York City Metro, if you're trying to get in and out, the most difficult thing to do is make deliveries. So now you need your separate team of, you know, drivers and and, and teams to drivers and trucks to get in, in and out of certain buildings um, and it's more than one guy. You can't just park your van and, you know, take your time to do things. Getting those deliveries in is a brutal process, especially when you've got other trades ahead of you. So those are two things that pop out of my head. Uh, and the other thing is scheduling. You know, on these commercial jobs, it can be absolutely brutal to work at the pace and get things done in this time frame that you need them done. Because remember, now we're working with limited hours with breaks in between that are mandatory by the union instead of saying you know, hey, John, or Wayne, Rob, go to this house and you've got X amount of days to do it. You can work as late as you want, as short as you want, so you get it done. You can't do that here, because now we're talking about overtime, and double time, you know, OSHA certifications and safety courses. It's, it's a different world completely than your standard residential world.
0: You, you, you talk about that, Frank, and it reminds me of, uh, talk about the challenges working in a large city compared to some rural areas and especially in New York. Uh, one of our uh, really good customers uh, was visiting him actually with I think with Jeff Alfredo as a matter of fact, and uh, he was writing out he was paying his bills for the month, and he was he was paying for his parking tickets on the month, and I really don't think I'm exaggerating this. I think it was about four thousand dollars in parking in parking uh,
2: fines. Yeah, and if you're a larger company with multiple trucks, that's factored into certain jobs. Yeah, parking that's tickets. What he said certain tools where if you leave a cordless drill or a handheld drill on the job, think about having to go up to the 50th floor of the Empire State Building, wait for the elevator, park your truck, it's not worth it. There's, some of these tools become throwaway items. So there's, there's more costs incurred that way too. It's a really different world than working in rural America.
1: All right, hold on a second here.
0: I was gonna say for God's sakes. And well, usually wrote,
1: this is where you jump in. I'm,
0: well since so you wrote since you wrote most of the questions and you 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 complain about me he's talking so much, I figure I'd let you, you know, the show. That's how while, the show goes. People love to hear you talk. But while you're vacillating, you. I'm gonna throw in another fun New York fact. Let's hear it. You know how many people live in New York? 10 million. No. 8 million people live in New York City. And that means that one out of every 38 people in America live in New York City. That's staggering to me. Yep. That's, that's a big number, man. Do
1: you know how many registered voters are in the county of New York? What, you are doing fun facts
0: too now? Uh, I just happened to see this fun fact. I thought I was the fat guy on this one You're,
1: right here. You are the fat guy. Absolutely. There's only a million registered voters.
0: Really? Yeah. I'm no kidding. That,
1: that's yeah, I was just looking at the county, uh, you know, I was just out looking at eight, the county things for New York.
0: And eight, in the eight, county
1: eight. of New York, which I think is just Manhattan, I'm not sure. What is that, Frank? The county in New York.
2: Well, my area in Brooklyn is called Kings County. So maybe there are different counties depending on where you're.
1: I think Manhattan is the like the county in New York. But I was pretty shocked when I saw that I was looking at county, uh, you know, vote totals by county and New York County only had one million. So I was wondering if that was New York City or if that was it couldn't have been the five boroughs.
0: It had to be just the city. Do you know where Longacre Square is, Frank? No. Are you really from New York? No.
1: <laughs> it's from Brooklyn. He's not from New not York. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs>
0: Times Square is named after New York Times. It was originally called Longacre Square until Times moved there in 1904. I could do this all day.
2: Well, I was born in '74, so maybe that's why I don't know about. It. <laughs> I've got a fun fact for you. Did you ever hear the 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 term the 22 skidoo? No, you, got, you guys are old. Come on, you should know that. So, the, oh, there's a shot. The older <laughs> shot
1: taking. A, <laughs> wow, really? That, that's yeah.
2: Uh, so in Manhattan, uh right near the Flatiron building, which is on 23rd Street. Because of the shape of it, if you, if you go up Broadway, it kind of shapes like a V at that point and then splits. Because of the way it's shaped, the wind blows through there pretty, pretty hard. Well, it even used to more back in the day because there were less buildings. So when the young women would try to get across the street, they would hold their skirts and run across really quick because the wind would blow their skirts up. So that's what the 22 skidoo is. 22 uh,
0: skidoo. Dark. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I love it. All right, Frank. So what's the best way to hook up with architects? We know, let's look at the the upside of working with architects. We know that the positive is there's a, there, there's potentially a tremendous amount of work there, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody was all right, look, I'm in residential, I'm fighting with these guys day in and day out. I, I see there's an opportunity here uh, and not just in New York, but across the country. Uh, what's the best way to hook up with, with, a uh, Say architects first and designers number two.
2: Okay, well, they kind of go hand in hand, right? So the difference really between an architect and a designer is an architect goes through a grueling uh, education. I mean, the courses are very difficult, takes years to get a license. So that's one of the main differences. You need to be licensed in a state to be an architect, but you don't necessarily need to be to be a designer. Okay, and architects could work on interior and, and exterior where a designer typically works on the interior of a building. All right, or hand in hand with the licensed architect. Um, I can tell you my experience on how I get close to architects and designer or how I have over the years, uh, I was a flooring dealer for 30 years. So over the years, you meet contractors and developers and every one of those commercial jobs had an architect or designer or multiple tied to that. So we would always do our best, you know, when, when we read a blueprint, if we see something that was out of line or something that could be better and save them money, would reach out to the architect designer and show them how things could work. Um, the other way is through the years, there've been issues on jobs. It's all how you carry yourself and how you handle those issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we all encounter problems. Some people walk away, some people stick it out and figure it out and, and move on to the next one. And you make friends through that. You know, uh, you know when I started my career uh, in DuPont, there was a, a very old woman that worked there named B Lawrence. Uh, I mean, little old Biddy, she was maybe in her mid 80s back then. And here I come walking in, you know, in my early 20s. So she would call me her boy. Where's my boy? And I'd have to walk with her across, you know, the, the office or bring her to designers and architects because she couldn't get there on her own. And the number one thing that she said to me then, and still resonates in my mind today, is she said, kid, make a friend. And through my whole career... I never forgot that. So no matter what the task is, how big or small a job is, we always made sure that we created relationships. Uh, and you look, it could be a, something like what we're doing now is where if somebody needs help with a specification and not sure what product to use, then we'll help them plug a product. It could be, hey, I'm on a job site, something doesn't look right to me, could you come look at it for me? Whatever it takes to make sure that project gets done properly. So through the years, it's really just been through word of mouth, from working directly with people through a contractor, sometimes for them directly. And we make friends, we make relationships, we stick by what we do. Uh, and that's kind of how I've done it over the years. Na- nowadays, you've got the internet, you've got social media, you've got your LinkedIn's, your Facebook's, your Instagram's, uh, you know, where people could log in and find specification. So we do it that way as well. You know, where if somebody has a question on a spec, we could forward it from there or they could reach out to me directly. And I would love to visit with people, I'm a people person. I live in New York, so I'm used to that. So these day, now there's quarantine. So we have to be careful about how we do things. So we're doing things uh, virtually.
0: If I'm hearing you right then, Frank, uh, and it's not unlike a lot of residential stuff, except they on a bigger level is, is um, one relationships, of course, but two is problem solving, right? Uh, right. Architects are busy, busy people, um, and they handle hundreds, maybe thousands, of different products that they they go together in a project. And if you can be that one guy that knows that is their go-to guy on that one thing, I
1: got a uh, guy. Yeah, you
0: got a guy. As 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 Rob always says, then you now are his go-to guy, yes. and you build that trust and work off of that trust.
1: And what a way to make friends, huh, Frank? Yeah. You fix a problem. you got a friend for life. Right. That's right. Okay. So that's working with designers, Frank. I'm, I'm sorry. That's working with architects. Let's talk about working with designers. Cause I think floor guys will probably work with designers more than architects. That's what I'm thinking. Am I wrong
2: or. You, no, you're right. You're designers or decorators. Um, they are more concerned with aesthetics, how it looks, how things match and go together. Um, and when you're dealing with a designer who isn't as uh technically sound as an architect may be it's really up to the craftsman to explain things and be very thorough in the process so if they specify a wide plank floor in the lower level of a building they don't know that i need to check for moisture that i need you know certain parameters to to get this installation done safely and and have it look the way it's supposed to so that's where they really need to the professional to for lack of better terms hold their hands a little bit more and walk them through the entire process not just oh i'm going to glue your floor down but these are the right steps i need to take to get it done successfully you know where an architect may understand most of that already and you just need to reinforce it when you're when you're working
0: you know so i would imagine you know i think about this uh, designers a lot you know which you know, i'll tell you what um if you're around a good designer And you see the power that they, what they bring to a project is amazing what they do. And I would always, I think with Pinterest and everything that their profession is almost under attack a little bit because things, Oh, I see it on Pinterest. I just get everything off Pinterest, but there's a whole lot that goes into what a designer does and what they can bring to a project. And I've been on projects before where it just blows my mind. And, you know, you don't, yeah, it's easy to see it when the project is done, but to visualize that, and to understand that ahead of time is uh, it's, its an art. It's a science. It's a whole lot that goes into that,
2: isn't it? It's—it's it's a skill set that not everybody has. To be able to look at a blank space, or or a space that's pre-existing, and think to yourself, okay, this is all going to change. It's going to look like this. I'm going to add this color. I'm going to use this fabric or this material and this. To be able to put that together in your head really is an art. You know, it's very difficult to do the the you know, it, it, the best part of a project for me is when it all comes together at the end, because, you know, and one of, the, one of the obstacles that we have in New York City is you're behind before you start, right? So as a flooring contract, you can only get the phone call, hey, we're going to give you this job, but by the way, I need you on the job in X amount of time. Mm-hmm. So you're already behind before you started. So to be able to see it all come together the in that madness in between and see that final product, it, you really it's the best part of the job, you know, especially when you were an intricate part of that.
0: So if you are, if you're a floor contractor and, and you want to, you know, do work for a designer, what, what skill set, or what can you bring to the table that will attract them that this is my guy, this is, this is the, you know, this is the guy that I can depend on. And, you know, and one, one, I know one thing, one challenge is that, you know, they may have very, very specific things in mind that you may not be able to achieve doing things that you normally do. So maybe talk about that, how you can be of value to that person.
2: Well, I'll give you an example. I was on a phone call um, early this morning with uh, an architect who's working on a large building lobby in Manhattan on Fifth Avenue. And they had a certain look that they wanted to achieve with the wood flooring in the lobby, and it was a reclaimed chestnut. Now, you guys are wood guys, so reclaimed chestnut in, off the street of a Manhattan building, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong with that. One, it's scarce material. Two, it's a very soft material, right? But there's a look that they were after, not necessarily had that it had to be that species. So we went through what, what the, aesthetics were supposed to be, what the end result they, you know, that they would like to achieve. And we found different products that may work for them, but will perform better. So that's one of the ways we can help an architect. So we know, you know, we have to be concerned about moisture and humidity in the lobby, right? So the engineer was on the call and they talked about putting some certain controls in place to monitor that. Then we know the slab is on grade. So we know that we have to do some moisture protection. So we were able to to specify some 540 sealer on the other to keep that moisture from permeating through because these are gonna be wide plank floors. Right. And then the species of the wood. Well chestnut may not may not necessarily be the right thing. So now they're looking at three other options, which is a reclaimed harp pine, a hickory uh, that's treated to be a little bit more uniform, and oak. So now they have three options that are you know harder woods. Will hold up a little bit better. They're looking for more of a distress pattern instead of a smooth pattern like they were before. So it'll be more forgiving, and they're going to put the traffic HD finish on top, of it, you know, for durability. So there's a lot of different ways to get to what you want. You just have to be careful about the products or the, the things you're selecting between. So that's one little way we do it. Uh, it happens on high-rise buildings all the, all the time where I'll get questions about sound, or there's height limits, but they still need to hit a sound requirement. So in that case, you know, our adhesives have great sound control. So we're able to actually eliminate sound mat in some instances and glue direct to the slab with the assembly that they have. And that's another way that we help them uh, solve a problem, but also save some money. So a lot of different ways we go about it. It's really about knowing, really knowing what you're doing. And honestly, all those years out in the field helped me a lot. And, you know, it gave me the ability to help them.
1: Now, the so, other thing I'm thinking about designers, if you can make their vision come to life, they got to love you. They're yeah. go, probably going to want to use the hell out of you. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the, the things you learn in your trade, if you, you know, if you want to work with this group of people, what have you, you know, you're probably going to be doing a Chevron floor. You know, you're probably going to do a herringbone floor. You know, you're, you're, you're have to know a lot of different sanding sequences Maybe you're doing you're doing the two tone floors using the the craft oil, you know. You're you're certainly going to have areas where you're going to need to to maybe roll the floor because it's a certain way. You may have to t bar because it's be a big open room. So what I'm getting at is, you know, all this, all the education you do as a floor guy. You know, you could stay in your box and do your you know your 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 thing all the time, or you can branch out and you can look at these different things and you can look at how we can maybe you know hand scrape floors or show them these different or or do your own parquetry or that kind of stuff where the more you do that it's like putting money in the bank to me now you're getting to where okay i can i can do this type i can give them the look they're trying to achieve i mean i can't imagine anything worse than getting into a job where you're over your head and um i i make you know, I've said it many times, I was motivated by fear. I was always afraid that I would get on a job and say, hey, you need to do this herringbone floor and this radius border, and I wouldn't know how to do it. That's what motivated me to keep going to all the schools and what have you. So, I, but I think it pays off, and this is how it pays off. I mean, some of the jobs you see coming out of New York, with some of our, our contractors are, I mean, world-class. I mean, they're stunning. And they're on the world stage. I mean, you're on a, you're the 80, you're the 84th floor with three sides is glass everywhere, you know what I mean? And uh, it's it's uh, incredible some of this work that's being done.
2: Yep. One other thing that's really been a big deal is, is lead points, you know, helping get a, a certification on a building because, you know, sustainability is important. I know it's important to Bona, but more and more these jobs are getting specified and they have to be green and meet certain criteria. So this is another way we've been able to help A&D is by having products that meet that and they meet the Green Guard certification or the Green Guard Gold certification, our adhesive is the only one to do it. So think about the floor plate of a building is the largest square footage next to the walls in a building. So if we're able to, to help them with a product that's superior to the others and they get those points, well, it takes the pressure off them selecting something simply because it meets the lead criteria. They get the extra points with the assembly and could use the, the look that they want. So there's a lot of different ways that we try and help them and just guide them through.
0: Okay, so let's say, let's say you got the solution, right? You got GreenGuard Gold Adhesive, for instance, you said that, so you got the solution. But how do you as a floor contractor get these connections? How do you best go about reaching out? We talked about LinkedIn and those type of stuff, but ultimately you need to face-to-face with these people and you, you wanna be able to have your time or maybe you want them to come to your location, so you can you know, you know, connect the two of you together. So how, how does one do that? You're a floor contractor, you open up the book and there's a hundred designers on there. Mm-hmm. How would I go about as a floor contractor, some options to get in touch with this group of people?
2: Well, a lot of times I'll have a, a floor contractor get in touch with me for help on how to do that. Um, and what we do is I'll pick up the phone and call them. A lot of times I do have friends in the firms that they're working in from, from over the years. Uh, Because, you know, the architect and design community, they tend to to move around quite a bit, especially in times like these. So you'd have somebody in one firm that can bounce to another firm, you make friends there and on and on it goes. And before you know it, you've got a lot of friends in a lot of different places. But I have no qualms about picking up the phone or writing an email um, and explaining to them how we could help um, and following through on that. Uh, developers are on our side in a lot of cases because we do work with a lot of developers who will ask the architect to speak to their professional so that they make sure that all the 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 criteria on the job are met and that would be lead that you know just the the flatness of the floor all these these things and architects are willing to do that because we make their lives easier you know so if there's somebody out there that's got you know CAD drawings already set up with the, the, the section of the floor and how it should be put together and what products to use and they could just copy and paste in there we made their lives a lot easier and the project a lot better so again it's just for me it's grassroots it's old school it's picking up the phone writing an email or having somebody who i know that knows the firm introduce me and we go from there
1: so it's almost like it sounds like you, it sounds like you're in the mob isn't that how the mob introduces each other hey, yo, hey. this is a friend of ours right this is a friend There's of a ours. friend of mine <laughs> friend of mine not yours right
2: it's working it's, hey, networking. it's all now this. that you're it's all uh, I mean
1: one of the things that we try to teach everybody in the classes the uh, training events is to spot trends and I think the trends usually start commercial because so many architects and designers do the commercial work or have so such a big part of the commercial work and then it trickles into the residential. So I always tell my students in the classes, try to spot the trends, spot the fads and be the first one to figure out how to do it. Jump on it. And the first guys through the wall are going to make the money.
0: Hmm. So um, this is a good time for another fun fact. How many boroughs are in New York? Five. Okay. The borough of Brooklyn alone would be the fourth largest city in the United States. Queens would be ranked fourth nationwide. That's two boroughs in the, in the city. That's, that blows my mind. But you, you talked about- the show.
1: Didn't you ever see the show, Welcome Back, Cotter?
0: I did, but that was ages ago. Yeah,
1: the very beginning of Welcome Back, Cotter. That's what it said, Welcome to Brooklyn, the fourth largest city in the world, in the country, or something oh, like that. Darn.
0: You got a memory yeah. like a steel trap.
1: Well, just for absolute things that are useless to
2: everybody. I used to love that show.
0: One of the challenges in New York and and and, and it was you know, a good I, show. I say I love New York, and um, but i'm a you know I'm there for three days at the most when I'm there. And at the end of those three days, I'm exhausted because you are you are just yes, your sensory overload, man. I mean, with the traffic and the noise and the pace and the twenty four hours and the the crowdedness and what have you. And I went to a job site and and I went, oh, I, I just don't know how they do it. I, I New York people are just amazing to me because even to get the wood on the job was like that's that alone was accomplishment for the day, because you got to you, you got to first of all, you got to get eight foot wood in the in the elevator. I don't even know how you would lay something white longer than that, because how are you gonna get it to the 30th fourth floor number one. Two, you got to grease the guy, the elevator guy, or your stuff's not going anywhere. You, you, God help you finding a place to park, because you're going to get a ticket no matter what anyhow. And then, and then to bring the products up there, and then the working time that you have, and the trades are on top of you, it is, I, I mean, I just, I just don't know how they do it.
1: Have you ever been to New York on the weekend? No. Take Judy to New York on the weekend. It's a completely different place. Than it is during the week.
2: Yeah, it's about 3 million less people in the city. Yeah. On the weekend.
1: Yeah. Amazing. It's enjoyable on the weekend.
0: It's enjoyable during the week, too. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. But I just, every, like I said, three days and you're exhausted because of the, you know, the, the, the traffic and the night. The, everything is just, it's, it's like everything is just, the game is speeded up so much in New York. And I guess that's where New York Minute comes from, because it is just a whole different world, man.
1: Okay, Frank. So now we know that uh, these guys want to get into them. They want to start dealing with architects and designers. It's going to be tough to get out there and just do some cold calling. What association would, if I was going to get into it, what associations would I join just to start mingling with these people?
2: Uh, Well, one association that we're affiliated with is IIDA, and that's the International Interior Design Association. Um, You could be a sponsor for that organization, and in New York City alone, in in our charter, there are about 1,100 architects and designers that are part of that charter. Um, So that's something that they could sponsor. IIDA has about 50 events a year, um, including round tables, uh, dinners, parties, uh, their Halloween party is just amazing. There's over five thousand or so people that attend that. Do
0: they all are they dress over, up? Are, are they over thirteen? Do they dress yes, up? They're or they're past party? the
2: sixth grade. So uh, it, that's Wayne, great.
1: Wayne's group. got a, a phobia about anybody over the sixth grade dressing up for Halloween. So did you go to the IIDA Halloween well, they party this year? Didn't have it this
2: year because of the pandemic. What um, about last I year, I have been. To, they call it Color Invasion. I've been there several times. And what dressed you dress up as? <laughs> well, I was uh, Edward Scissorhands once.
1: There you go. I like that. And
2: uh, I was Beetlejuice the other time. Isn't dressing up fun? I love it. It's, it's like yeah. one of my favorite times of the year.
1: You know, Next when this year, thing I'm gonna ever if after. you ever get invited to another one, I want you to bring Wayne with you.
2: Absolutely, okay. and you got to dress up. Wayne Wayne. Was, Wayne was supposed to come with me this year, but they canceled it. So I'm going like to boots. Yeah, and this goes back to to making a friend. You know, we do a lot of these dinners, and sometimes they're informational. Sometimes it's just about getting out there, loosening up, and having some fun. And you make friends that way, and those friends you can carry through your career with you. So you think most cities out.
1: have a have a division of this IIDA?
0: Yes. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, okay, um, so again, you're a floor guy. So should I have a portfolio with me or for samples for these guys? Or how does that work, Frank?
2: Well, architects and designers uh, seem to be always behind the gun. So it's it's not abnormal for an architect or designer to request a sample or a custom sample or something at the 11th hour because they've got their, what they call their storyboard ready. present to their customer in the morning so it is always a good idea to have plenty of samples or cuttings on hand that you could chip over overnight or walk over I've done it millions of times Um, and just a little little tip when you're giving out samples you know for the guys out there that that you know don't like to give out too much on the sample side they want to give one little cutting don't do that always give a range of samples because wood is a natural product there's going to be variation so when you're sampling product make sure they have plenty of variation you explain that not every board is going to look the same because not every tree is the same you know so when you when you're sending stuff out
0: so frank i i know that um this is your i mean you like i said you've you've done this your whole career and and uh work with architects and design community is is uh has been your life but there's another side of you that i want to talk about that uh you spent a lot of time with and it's very important to you. And uh, I know you don't talk about it a lot, but I'm gonna put you on the spot here. And uh, you do a lot of charity work with uh, uh, some uh, different organization for kids. So why don't you talk about that for a
2: minute? Uh, sure. Um, well, I am, in my other life, I'm also the president of a motorcycle club and an auto club. It's a family club. Uh, we do a lot of stuff for the community. And throughout the years, Uh, You know, we used to do toy drives and Thanksgiving drives and things like that. And I wound up connecting with uh, the Marine Corps League of Brooklyn uh, because we were doing a toy drive and they were doing a toy drive. And instead of kind of working against each other, we decided, you know, let's work together. Uh, So the very first year that my group and the older fellows of the Marine Corps League connected, uh, we had the largest Toys for Tots drive in the history of Toys for Tots. We had a car and motorcycle parade that was at least 10 blocks long and there were tens of thousands of toys that we collected, city buses full of them, big military trucks full of them. So we've continued that trend over the years. This is going to be my sixth year doing it. Um, And I now run Toys for Tots for the New York metro area on my spare time. We also contribute to Ronald McDonald House for their terminal children, uh, who I get choked up thinking about the kids. But there are terminal children who you know don't have much. Their families don't have much, so we do a big motorcycle uh, ride there. We fill trucks with toys, and we literally jump dump them in the lobby. And there's just mountains of toys. The kids come down. Somebody dresses up like Santa every year, and the kids take whatever they want, and that's their Christmas. So. It's, it's kind of cool to do. It's tough because most of the hours that I spend are after work late at night, you know, making up lists for picking up toys, dropping off toys and working with the Marines. Uh, and because of all of our hard work, we've gotten citations from the city for the, for the work we've done. And I am personally now a associate member of the Marine Corps League of Brooklyn, number one detachment, 217. So I get to hang out with a bunch of jarheads drink jack Daniels and act silly from time to time that's awesome that's great
0: i've seen all the pictures or many pictures frank with you hanging out with those uh jarheads you say and uh with the motorcycle jackets and the harleys and everything and uh that uh, big tough looking motley crew touch a lot of kids lives and it's really really very cool that you especially like you said some of these kids are terminal. on that's that's a that's a tough thing in the uh, give your time for that is, is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, we're actually kicking it off now. So for all the people that are listening, you know, look out for that white box with the, the Marine Corps League logo on it. And a little goes a long way. So if you've got, you know, it's gotta be a new unwrapped toy. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if you go to the 99 cent store, spend five bucks and get a couple of little things and throw it in there. But this year more than ever, because of the pandemic, we could use your help. So if you're listening, you know, and you see one of those boxes or you, you know, where you can go to the Marine Corps League, uh, toysfortots.com, and uh, find a drop off station. So thanks for the plug, Win.
1: Yeah, that's twice awesome. Means uh, a lot. Twice in my life. What was that again?
2: League.com? Just goes for toysfortots.com. Toysfortots.com. And it, they'll be able to show you where the drop offs are. That's twice awesome. in my life, at different
0: times in my life, I was going to join a motorcycle gang, but I have very sensitive skin to the elements so a motorcycle you know like chap real easy and stuff like
2: that so now now you've got me thinking about you and chaps yeah there you
0: go it goes back to kinky (laughs) boots chaps only so you're a new dad too how's the kid
2: what's that rob you're a new dad how's the kid uh frankie he's two years old he's a he's a big guy for two uh, he's about the size of a four-year-old, so I don't know where he gets it from. He's got good genes, must be his mother. But uh, no, he's doing great. It's that's just the love of my life, right there. I just don't know how I, I couldn't. You got to be the
1: oldest new dad I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah,
2: forty-six. Like, I, he was born uh, two years ago. So how old are you? i forty-six. I'll be forty-seven this. My
1: summer. God, you're like heading into Charlie
0: Chaplin type stuff. He was
1: eighty <laughs> and having kids.
2: Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. I'm blessed. He- <laughs>
0: I don't know where he came from. He's a good looking kid, man. And the paws on that kid for a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. The paws on him. That kid's going to be a middle linebacker somewhere, man.
2: Hey, man. He's a big boy. Got that, boy.
0: <laughs> got that good, good hair on him, too. So, Frank, listen, uh, I appreciate the insight, uh, you know, that you bring to the table. And uh, it's been great having you work with us at Bona. You're a great addition to the team and uh, you do a lot of work and help everybody out, uh, not just in New York, but uh, you cover the whole country now. Yes. So uh, appreciate everything you do. And um, thanks for spending some time with us. And um, again, this is Frank Coppolino with Bona. And this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.